Welcome, everyone, to this live episode of Manufacturing Talk Radio. I'm Tim Grady. I'm here with Lou Weiss, who's the founder of Manufacturing Talk Radio. He's also the president of All Metals and Forge Group. If you're looking for open die forgings and seamless roll rings, check out steelforge.com. Joining us is Tim Fiore, who is the committee chair for the Manufacturing Report on Business that we do every month with the Institute for Supply Management. You can find it at ismworld.org. Tim, thanks for joining us again. Yeah, good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Well, I just want to start off by saying uh, uh, I owe you the $5 bet that we had last month because <laughs> I said that the number was going to be under 50 and you were just over 50. So I owe you five bucks. We just made it. I'd rather owe it to you than cheat you out of it. I don't think it's going to be life-changing. <laughs> well, we'll add it to your salary check. Oh, that's good. I get five bucks. <laughs> well, so part of the report, that's, that's a good lead-in. I mean, essentially, we're 50.2, 50.9 in the month of September. Pretty much the same. Right. And if you look at July and August, we were 52.5, 52.9, pretty much the same. So we seem to be taking these steps, you know, uh, you know, we're lightly expanding 50.2, lightly expanding, you know, it's within the Araband probably, but we're not contracting and we're not contracting seriously. And I really don't see us contracting, but as, as the usual story is, the headline number is one thing, the details are another. And this is another indication towards that step towards normality that we've been looking for. And we're no longer in a demand driven supply constrained economic manufacturing economic expansion i mentioned it last month and i feel even stronger about that this month uh we are continuing to see uh you know feed off the gas pedal on hiring we are continuing to see quits rates at elevated levels we're continuing to see companies having difficulty in hiring if they're hiring but the for every three companies that responded uh one of them is trying to manage their headcount lower so, and that's the same thing we saw in September. So we're on a trajectory here. Uh, you know, the big thing is we now supplier deliveries. It's been a, you know, demand-driven supplier-constrained economy. The supply side has pretty much caught up. Uh, you know, now there's different industry sectors have different issues. Da 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 da. But at the manufacturing economic level, the supply side has caught up. For you know, the last seventy some odd months, they've been holding us back. The last four or five months, they've been delivering a little bit better, but they're still struggling, delivering, quote, slower, but at slower rates. This time, it actually got fast. So if you want a product, that last month, if you want a product on a Wednesday, they were shipping it to you on a Thursday. The month before that, if you want it on a Wednesday, they were shipping it to you on Friday. This month, if you want it on a Wednesday, they're shipping it to you on Tuesday. That's all good stuff. So it kind of means that the suppliers have, have got control over their, over their, their future and supported by the fact that Prices are now contracting too. We've seen price growth ease. We're now seeing pricing drop. Now that may be short-lived with what's going on in, in Europe with the energy markets. Uh, you know, we had 80% of our respondents say that they were paying the same or lower prices this month. Last month it was 68%. The month before that, 67. The month before that, 35. So clearly an indication that input costs, material input costs, is easing, and we're now getting in a, in a better buyer-seller relationship as it comes to, to buying. So a lot of changes this month, you know, for the positive. I think the biggest concern really is on the demand side. So let me let me pick that apart. You know, you know, I put this thing together between demand, 
inputs and outputs. And on the input side, it's uh, supplier deliveries, it's raw material inventory, it's imports. On the demand side, it's new orders, new export orders, customer inventory, and backlog. On the output side, it's production and employment. So let's talk about the demand side. New orders contracted again this month, but not at the same rate that they did in the month of September. Okay, we'll see what uh, November brings. They're still contracting. We still have long order streams out there between buyers and sellers. We still have long lead times out there that are, are stubbornly not really budging much. But something tells me, you know, especially in the report, getting the respondents to really provide really high quality lead time information is, is difficult. But you know, just just from what you know, what I'm gathering through comments, lead times are coming down, not to where we want them to be. So customer inventories were flat month to month, 43, I think it is 40, 40, 41.6. So they're still too low. They're not way too low. Uh, and they're closer to just right than I'd like to see it. But we didn't make progress towards just right. Because if our customers have more of our inventory, they're unlikely to buy more of what I want to sell. So we're kind of flat there, which is okay. The new export order side uh, was a, a bit of a disappointment. It's going to continue to be a disappointment. It's Europe, China. Europe, the worst is yet to come. China, you know, we've had slow growth out of China. This is us selling to China. And, you know, the difficulty we have now in semiconductor equipment and selling semiconductors, that's all kind of, that's a definite headwind. But, and the shutdown policies in China have been a headwind. So I'm not looking for much help there in the new export order. So the big thing around the demand side is that the backlog contracted. I know, Lou, how much you love backlog. I love backlog. Love backlog because you can invest, you can you can go ahead and invest and you can sleep at night with backlog. So we're now in finally in a mode where backlog is contracting. And it's not a surprise. We've slowed down the new order rates. Every month we continue to produce. If we're producing more than new orders are coming in, the backlog is going to go away. And that's kind of where we're at. So so we're now kind of, I, I think we're looking for the demand to come back. Whereas we had so much demand, we didn't know what to do with it all. The supply, supply chain tried to respond. We're now in a situation where, okay, what does the demand look like in Q1, Q2 of 2023? That was the question last month. It's still the question this month. One of the things that uh, we made note of at All Metals and Forge Group is that, uh, and we did a survey of about 15 uh major industrial forge facilities that their deliveries have gone way out. And the reason why they've gone way out, of course, is because the steel mills deliveries have gone way out. So if you happen to have the capability and capacity to have shorter lead times, like our company does, your backlog goes up. And that's where we're at. Good. So it's interesting to see that the, um, the, the based on demand, the forging industry, which represents a significant portion of fabricated metals and aircraft and transportation, that the deliveries have still moved out and their yeah. prices have gone up. Yeah. Now, now would be a good time to stock up on raw material inventory, I think. Right. You, know, you got steel down to the 740. Is it going to get much less than that? Will it get back to 640? I know they keep taking capacity out. The mills are taking it out. So they're trying to keep that price from getting much below 
700. You saw the Cleveland Cliffs and Nucor and all that report earnings. Disappointing. So, but this is the this is the feast and famine world and, and long lead time, high capital intensive, big batch manufacturing. It, you, you know, you make money hand over fist and then you lose a ton of money too. So highly cyclical. It's a great example of manufacturing. We're highly cyclical. We go up, we go down. We've been held back this time because of supplier constraints and in some of the longer lead time areas, we think that's going to help continue the expansion. Transportation equipment is a good example. But you know the the, the big the, the big guys who do batch processing, the steel guys, the aluminum guys, boy, they live and they die. They make a ton of money at one point, like miners, they make a ton of money for a year and a half, and then they lose a ton of money for a year. It's just the way it is. It's, and it's not called price gouging. I I, you know, I think that's this whole thing about <laughs> price gouging. They give me a break. So these guys over the over the term, these guys have to make money. So you before the show, you brought up a term I haven't been uh, privy to, and that's called uh, dynamic pricing. So I'm, I'm sure there's not a lot of people that really know that term well. So can you give that a little explanation before we move on? Yeah, it means you kind of you, you time your pricing based on when demand is the strongest uh, and when it's the weakest. So you try to spur more demand in weak time periods. So you would drop your prices in periods of time when you don't have the demand. You're trying to energize demand, assuming it's elastic. And then when, when you have a lot of demand, you try to maximize your price for the unit of the product. So when you get people lined up out the door, you, know, you try to get the most for your product. And then when nobody's outside the door, you drop the price to get them to come in. That's And with computer technology the way it is these days, and and you're trying to operate in dynamic regions and uh, across the world or across a region or even across a city. Yeah, you see that. I mean, I think Uber practices that when it comes to it, it's like the Uber thing. I mean, if if you're out clubbing, which I don't do, but if you're out clubbing one, two in the morning, then you know, next thing you know, your Uber fare is three times what it was to get there. <laughs> so that's because everybody wants a cab to get home. It's just it's dynamic pricing and their technology has given them the ability to do that. And here I thought you were a clubbing guy. Not anymore. <laughs> what are you going to do with your yellow jacket when we get you one? Well, yeah, we're going to have to go into some place where there's lots of people so they can see us. Right, right. <laughs> <laughs> Tim, what uh, sectors are struggling? Because I know the manufacturing report on business talks about the various sectors in the manufacturing industry. There are a couple that are not doing as well as others. Yeah, so we, we actually triangulate this a couple of different directions. Everybody's familiar with the activity that we report on, new orders, production, inventory, employment, da 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 But all that information comes from industry sectors that we're able to collect uh, and see what the industry sector actually looks like based on the activity. So as many of your listeners know, uh, I watched the top six Actually, I watched the top seven, uh, but the top six, I kind of, I watched the seven because the six and seven keep swapping places and they make up 70% of manufacturing GDP. So we have 18 industry sectors, six of them, one third make up 70%. So I watch them closely and I watch for their trends. And four months ago, the chemical sector, number two industry sector, 14% of manufacturing GDP went into contraction. Uh, it's still in contraction. It's not contracting as bad in the month of October compared to September, but it's still contracting. You know, think of 46 level. I think, I think in September was at 43. Interesting thing about chemicals is it goes everywhere. It, it goes, 
you don't, there's no real chemical purchase direct except for maybe a pill because farmers in there too, but everything has to be put into something else. So it kind of aggregates all the demand from all the other 17 industry sectors. And if it's aggregating all that demand from all the 17 industry sectors, it's seeing the impact of everything kind of first. So this happened about five months ago, I think it was. So, okay, fine. Things are slowing down. New order rates are going to slow down with them. You know, we had talked about some of that before. Uh, inventories grew a little bit. Production output slowed down. Some of that's driven by energy markets too because of the feedstocks in the U.S. or uh, natural gas and not so much oil. This month, though, computer electronics, our number two, number one industry sector, went into contraction too. And it can, it's contracting at a rate of, think, think 49 all right, so they were at that we're at that bubble point 49, 50, 51. What's the real difference? The point is it's actually contracting and it, it lost a couple of points in the month. So all right, what's happening there? I mean, uh, production was good. Uh, supplier deliveries, 35. So all of a sudden now, all in the subcomponents in electronics, you know, the, the actives, the passes, the printed circuit boards, the enclosures, all that other connectors. Now, all of a sudden, they're delivering a lot faster. So, boom, here it comes. Inventory levels at 62. Manufacturing inventory, 62. Good thing, customer inventory is at 40. Too low. Uh, <coughs> backlog at 41. So, what you've seen, probably seen happening there is, we all know that electronics, there was a ton of overordering. So that's the only way you get attention at the, at the seller level. And now that's kind of working its way out. So... Uh, yeah, that, that one contracted. So we got chemicals, we got computers, we have machinery. I believe it's machinery. What's contracting too? No, uh, let's see. Yeah, let's see. Food and beverage. Food and beverage contracted too. Uh, you know, down three points at a 49. So these are weak contractions. Uh, new order levels of food and beverage, 41. That's that's a bit alarming, but we'll see. We always We have a strong panel in food and beverage. So let's see what... We're now in the holiday season. We don't do seasonality based on industries. We do it based on the sum of all of it and you know the, the 12 months. So food and beverage should come back, I would think. We're, uh, you know, we, we stopped the picnicking in October and now we're talking about big feasts in November. So let's see what happens. The growth area, let me give you a good, the good growth one, I think is, uh, is machinery and machinery is long lead time, you know, where people make investment and a lot of it is, uh, is, is a lot of it's durable goods. So you don't just pull the cord on that. And uh, I don't, I, I think our order rates there are still pretty good. Uh, yeah, flat, you know, flat. So if I see the machinery order rate drop to you know, low 40s, that means people are starting to pull back on investment, you know, given the environment that we have here about, you know, the sky is falling, sky is falling. Uh, but probably the best one here is transportation. And, uh, you know, it's trucks, it's cars, it's airplanes primarily. Airplanes are still struggling to get to the right rate. There's plenty of demand there. It's not going away. Uh, cars, you know, we're still only building 13, 13 and a half million a year. We should be building 17 and a half just to keep up with replacement. And we've had two years of, uh, you know, a real drought in inventory. So transportation, the cars are going to continue to grow through 23, probably well into 24. And the same thing's happening with trucks. The lead times are not coming down. Order books are full for pretty much 23. So that's going to flow in. So transportation is going to be a good guy, like I talked about last month, in terms of holding the PMI up. Uh, for the for the near term, chemicals is probably going to be bringing us down. Maybe with the embargo that's going to hit in Europe in December, 
it's going to help our industry to export. Uh, Europe for uh, feedstocks uses naphtha and oil, and you know they're going to embargo that. They're only going to be able to buy stuff that's on ships, not through pipeline, and uh, and that'll probably drive the price up, which will drive demand into the U.S. for export. So uh, computers, we'll see. I think we've got this spiky thing overordering got to work it off and then get back into some kind of pure demand food and beverage i think will will come back just based on it. it's a staple the uh, new machine tool index number hasn't come out yet but just reflecting back from last month uh it was uh, it was higher and uh, which is usually a good indicator for uh, machinery building and uh, tooling and so on for at least three to six months. So that sector looks like starting with the beginning of 2023, looks like it, that's going to be fairly strong. Yeah, good. That's good to hear. That's good to hear. I think, you know, once we actually enter contraction, which I think we will, I'm just not exactly sure. I'll, I'll, uh, I'll take the bet again with you, Lou, that we're going to stay above 50. Um. No Double bet. or nothing? No, no bet. No bet. Unless you want to give me odds. Because <laughs> I think it's probably going to be above 50 also. But if you want to give me odds, I'll take the shot. I, nah, didn't, win, I didn't win the Powerball last night. You did not, unfortunately. Did not. Yeah. I did not. Yeah. Billion dollars. I mean, amazing. Yeah, you know, there's, a, there's a case where dynamic pricing would really work. There you yeah, go. <laughs> yeah, I'm surprised I didn't put that in place. Yeah, there's probably some law against that. But so, you know, we're kind of thinking that, I mean, you, you'll see maybe a general economic slowdown, i.e. recession, six or nine months after we go into uh, a contraction. So, and you know, yield curve has been inverted since May, I think it is. And, and they've said that, you know, when the yield curve inverts, it usually takes nine months to a year to see a, uh, a recession. But in any event, I mean, we're talking recession, like it's a bad thing. I, we can have a mild recession and all the indications right now is that right now is that that's what we'll see. Um, you know, and you know, the people who know this stuff told me a long time ago, there's, there's three things that you kind of watch for. You know, the, the first one is fed hiking interest rates. And, and if, if they're very convinced and they don't see the right signs of seeing wage inflation come down, they, they're going to put us in a recession, but is it, it doesn't mean it's going to be a bad recession. You know, the second one is that, Economic cycles just kind of run out of steam. And, you know, do we have that now or is the Fed kind of, you know, putting, putting you know, some resistance on the train track? Maybe a little bit of both. The third one, and I think the one that is not going to happen, is there's no catastrophic event. So we, we don't have banks melting down. You know, people borrowing money that shouldn't be. And we don't have a, a global virus that threatens to kill us all. So, all right. So we have a slowdown in, in economic activity. So, so let's talk about what probably the people who really watch this stuff are looking for. They're looking for slowdown in hiring. They're looking for wages to stabilize. But you know, the biggest fear there is wage growth because then it spirals. Once you get wage growth, you're expected to always have wage growth. And that then drives up the cost of goods and on and on we go in this gerbil wheel that never ends. So you know, my opinion has always been that they're probably not going to think that they really stop wage growth until they see significant amount of layoffs. Um, and, you know, I think the Joel's report came out this morning. Did I hear that? Or is it coming out this week or something? Uh, it's, know, last, coming it's coming out. Last year, last month, we lost a million jobs. Very consistent with what we reported here on the PMI. And that is that 
we were running at a six to eight to one higher to force manage ratio. And in the month of September, we went to two to one. In the month of October, we're at two to one again too, for all intents and purposes. So what that means is that, you know, four or five months ago, for every seven companies, we had six hiring. And one was trying to manage their headcount through freezes and attrition, no layoff talk. Month of September, for every three companies, we got two hiring and one that's trying to manage their headcount through freezes and attrition, natural attrition, meaning if I get three people quit on me, I'm only going to replace two. That's continuing in October. It started to show up in September. And what it really says is that they're not concerned about next month's demand. They weren't concerned about October's demand. You saw our production number actually come up, which is good. They're not really concerned about December demand either. They're concerned about next year. They're concerned about, you know, what does all this mean longer, moderate to longer term? In the meantime, companies, you know, on, on a, a, a pretty strong ratio, 35% of the respondents com providing comments indicating that they're watching their headcount now. Whereas before it was, please, please, please come to work for me. I'll will you in. I don't, I'll give you, a, I'll let you come to, come to work in your bed. You can come to work in your sweatpants, in your pajamas. I don't care. That, that's all changed. You know, that's changing. It's changing. Quits rate was still fairly high. I mean, I, I think in September we saw a quits rate come down a little bit. We're about that same level. Uh, the difficulty in hiring is still getting a little bit better. So these are slow movements, but I, there was no real sign of any kind of layoffs. So, we'll, you know, we'll see. And I, I, think the, I think the Fed is looking for that. That would be my guess. They're looking for significant layoffs, which really says, all right, we've now got the, we've got the labor pool uh, kind of controlled. Tim, I'm just curious, in about a month and a half, uh, you'll join us again in mid-December for your semi-annual forecast. Uh, I'm assuming that's uh, well underway and you're bringing in the data and we look forward to that update. Yeah, we're collecting it now. Uh, it's going to be really, there's a lot of interest in this, you know, not only from the cap, we, you know, we track a bunch of stuff, but the, the notables are uh, what's the CapEx investment for this year, but more importantly, what are we planning on next year? What do we think wages will be next year? What do we think they were this year? Uh, the prices number is also really important. What do we think? We we predicted in May, we predicted in December, we, we would see an 8.4% price increase December to December 22. And in May, we said, no, it's going to be 11.1%. Uh, and then by the middle of the year, it would be 114 So it kind of feels like that's where we're at. Not sure 11 is the right number. It might be 12, it might be 10. But we really think the second half of the year, we've kind of maxed out, we've capped out. And now with prices coming down on the index, it kind of supports that fact. So a lot of interest here in what's going to be for the forecast for price increases for next year. It could be low single digits. It wouldn't surprise me at all. And then we have a business outlook. We have a profitability. We have a revenue projection for 2023. All really good stuff. So, so stay tuned. That'll be a December release, I think, right? And then there's and then there's always dynamic pricing. <laughs> We're going to have to put that into our uh, process here at uh, AMFG. Dynamic pricing. Dynamic pricing. I like that. Well, I just want to remind all of our viewers and listeners: if you're listening to this show, and by the way, thousands are, and that number is accelerating. Also, listen to the services index report that uh, Anthony Nieves does with us each month. That's coming up for us in a couple of days. 
So if you're watching this after the fourth or fifth of the month, tune back into that one. A lot of great information there. Be sure to visit ismworld.org and also steelforge.com while you're surfing the web. And you, as always, can find us at jacketmediaco.com, the Manufacturing Talk radio show. Thanks, Tim, for being with us. Yeah, good to be here, guys. Thanks for having me. Thank you, and let's have another good report next month. You bet. No reason why not. 48 to 52. That's not bad. We'll take <laughs> it. <laughs> Thanks, everybody. Bye-bye. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com.